we should pray for our president, shouldn't we? That God gives him great wisdom. Whether you voted for him or not, doesn't matter. That's who God has placed in position over our nation is now. It says in the word clearly that God raises up the king and God sits down the king. That he is the one who places the government in position. Whether good or bad, he uses it for his glory. It's true. The man makes the decision. And so this is who God placed. And I just, as a study, can we really lift, uh, lift him up and just ask that God would bless him and, and really lead him and guide him? Um, Father, Lord, we are told to pray for the government. We are told to pray for our nation. And God, is, we would desire to see a nation that is turned towards you. And even though the nation is not completely turned towards you right now, we still want to pray and ask that you would pour your blessings upon the people. And that, God, our hearts would be turned towards you because, Lord, you know what's best. Lord, you really, truly desire to give us lives and that abundantly. You want to bless us. And, Lord, I know that you put Obama in position. You have placed him there with your own hand. As a man moves a chess piece, so you move this man. Lord, you are not surprised when someone makes a decision. You are not surprised when something bad happens or something good happens. You know all things. And so we ask by your sovereign hand and your sovereign touch that you would lead and guide this man, that you would hear our prayers, and that you would use him for your greatest glory. And that God, during this time, his heart would be turned towards you in some way, shape, or form, closer to you. His eyes would be open to your wisdom, to your understanding that He would govern your people correctly, and that this nation would prosper in your name. Father, your will be done. We lift this nation into your hands. If we will fall, we will fall with you. And Lord, if we will prosper, we will prosper with you. Lord, it rains on the just and the unjust. Your word is clear. The bad happens to the good and the bad. And so we want to just say that we trust you. And by showing you that we trust you, by lifting, lifting, Lord, our nation and our people and our family and our friends and our lives individually into your hands. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Yes, we've been moving through the Bible. We were reading a chapter a day. And... Um, Wow, we are in a book of, yes, well, kind of the truth. A book of just straight up truth, huh? I mean, no beating around the bush. Solomon declares it as it is. And he declares it very, very clear. I mean, he makes clear exactly what he's trying to say. And he is so blunt sometimes that it's almost depressing. It's like, geez, man, uh, why you got to be so bummed out all the time? Why you got to really just... But what he's trying to do here, in his words, in his book here, is let us know that, hey, the world really does not have much to offer. It's true. He's saying to us, I have tried everything under the sun. Everything. And he says it multiple times there in his book. He says, if there's something to try, I've tried it. You want to build a house? I built the greatest. And you know Solomon, remember, he built the temple. You remember that? That temple, there was so much gold in that temple that he built 
They say that it is priceless. There's no way to even count or number the amount of money that was put in, put in to this building. Now, if you build that, God's temple, then you think He probably knows how to build a structure. And you, I bet you bet. His palaces and His vacation spots and His pools and His spas. Yeah, spas. When I was there in Israel, I remember going up to... Oh, no. What's the name of the place? Masada. Yes, Masada. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You climb up to the top of this mountain, Masada... And it's a hike. And if you ever go to Israel, I would encourage you to take that walk. It's called Snake's Trail. And it winds up the side of this mountain. Let me tell you a quick story about Masada, just so you understand what it is. It is this hill that the Jews climbed up to and stayed on when they were fleeing from the Romans. Guess what the Romans did? They camped around the mountain, this huge mountain. And they couldn't get up there to the Jews because the Jews would just dump you know, rocks on them and all kinds of stuff. So what happened? No, I'm sorry. It was so steep, this mountain, they could not get up. There was only one pass. So what the Romans did is they built camps all the way around this mountain and they started to dump dirt and 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 dump dirt until what? Let's just say the mountain is this high and say here's a person, the size of a person right there. There you go. There's a there you go. mountain is this high. They dumped dirt. They dumped all the way until it reached the top of this mountain. Yeah. I hiked to the top of this thing. But they have this giant ramp that they dump dirt until this thing is completely built to the top. And as soon as they got to the top, the Romans came over to the side to capture the Jews and to imprison them. And guess what? They got up to the top and every single Jew was dead. They committed suicide. The whole place. They said we'd rather die than be in the hands of the Romans. And so what ended up happening is, say, they took the place over and Herod, Herod, King Herod, yes, he built a vacation spot there on the mountain. And there on the mountain, this vacation spot, there is a spa, like a, like a, you know, like you girls go to spas. Yeah. You go in this place, it is incredible what they did. The floors, say the floors are three feet deep, and then they put a flooring on it. Well, what they did is they put hundreds of pillars small pillars like this big around and they stuck them into the ground and they created a floor over the top of it and what they did is they heated they would create steam and the steam would go down under into these pillars under the ground under the uh, the tile that was laid down and it would go up into the walls and so it would create this spa like place where it's very warm in there and kick back and then what they would do is there was all kinds of uh, massage stuff and all kinds of things for your, your nails, yeah, and for your skin. Yeah, these little tensile, it's, it's incredible. These little iron tensiles that they would use just to, you know, pamper themselves and take care. He had cold, ice-cold spas, and then he had really, really hot spas there, warm water. It's incredible. I couldn't believe what I saw. I'm thinking to myself, as I'm talking about Solomon, if Herod built that, who knows what Solomon had? This guy was incredibly rich. He had more money, I believe, than any man to ever walk this earth. He was so rich. And the reason why he was rich is because he had wisdom. Do you remember? God gave him wisdom. And if you have wisdom, if I said, I'll grant you anything you want, if anybody ever tells you that, ask them for wisdom. Because if you ask them for wisdom, you will be able to obtain everything you want. You understand? That's exactly what Solomon asked for. 
And he got just that. Everything he wanted. Now that's the worst nightmare for some people, is it not? Let me say that again. It's the worst nightmare for all people. Believe it or not. You say to yourself, only if I have this, or I want this, or I want it this way, or I want this, I want this. Listen, the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked. And that if you chase after all the things that you want when you want it, you'll kill yourself. You will destroy yourself. Wish I had money. Okay. How come when people get money, when they win the lottery, like over 90% of them, their lives are worse off than when they ever won the lottery? Explain that one to me. How come when people live very, very loose lifestyle, like even when I remember, just partying and doing whatever I want to do, how come I was always bummed? How come my life was empty inside and I felt depressed? Why? I'm doing what I want to do. Whatever I want. I'm not going to abide to any rules. You must understand. The Satanist Bible says this. The John 3.16, the main statement, the slogan for the Satanist Bible is this. Do what thou wilt, for this is the whole of the law. Or, do whatever you want, for that is the law. Whatever you want to do, do it. That's the law. Interesting. The book of the law. That is the name of the Satanist book. Written by Aleister Crowley. And if you look in that book and you read that statement, think about how brilliant that is. If you want to destroy someone, which Satan does, you disobey that. Do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. This is the law. There is no rules. Do whatever you want to do and destroy yourself. What if a parent told a, ch- told a child that? Hey, you, boy, do whatever you want to do, man. Whatever. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Go for it, man. Do whatever you want. The kid will destroy himself. And so too with us. If you have the opportunity to do whatever you want, you will mess up your life. Why do I say all this? Because Solomon did all that he desired to do, and he wrote a book about it. And it's called Ecclesiastes. And he's telling you, I did everything. And I am telling you the truth. It is vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's all empty. It's all lame. It's lame man. And the only things that he talks about that are prosperous and that are positive is the commands and the laws of God in this book. It's incredible. So, Jesus says in order to save your life, you must what? Lose it, right? You want to save your life? Lose it. That means don't do what you want. Obey. Fight against yourself. Lose yourself. War with what is going on inside. That is what my life, yes, the life with Josh Thompson is. I will war against myself and fight against myself to the day that I die. Because the things in my skin, the things that I desire to do, will mess me up. And I'm constantly fighting against it all day, every day. Yeah. Christian life is not easy. Jesus never said, no one ever said it was going to be easy. But I believe it will be worth it one day. And it is worth it in this day. Right now, look at my life. Who wants to come walk with me for a couple days and just experience my life? You can. You can watch what I do and how I do it. I am having a blast. And I'll have a blast for the rest of my life if it just keeps up this way. And sure, do bad things happen? Yeah. But i got Superman to save the day. And I don't have all the other sin in my life to really bog me down. It's like, think about someone who is so bogged down in sin and giving their life over to the world. Like, let's just say, getting drunk so many times over and over where you get alcohol poisoning. I don't know if you ever had that before. That is a dangerous thing. It's not fun. You get alcohol poisoning, but then what? But, but on top of 
before those kind of things happen, you get a ticket in the mail, like me. You just get tickets, you know, the random, the standard things that happen in life, you know, hard, hard times, money, whatever it is. But then let's just throw on all the other things that you bring upon yourself because of the sin that you do. You get drunk, get alcohol poisoning, and then you sleep with someone you wish you wouldn't, and you do things that you wish you would have never said, and, and, and you just go places, and you find yourself, you, you destroy relationships, you, you know. Let's throw all of that on top of just the standard tragedies in life. You see? I'm a free man. I'm, I'm free from sin. I'm free from that world and that lifestyle. That's just one less thing to, to worry about. Not only that, I have this supposedly... A uh, big googly monster in the sky that I believe in, and he gives me joy all day long. Okay, um, seems to work for me. And we can get into whether or not it is the truth or not, and whether or not it actually works for every single man on the face of the earth. I believe it does, every single woman. But I'm telling you this: Solomon is warning us tonight once again. If you will take heed and listen to the words, you will be blessed. If you don't, your life will be in shambles, I guarantee it. It's up to you. It is up to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, I'm going to read from a different translation than I normally do the King James because the words are very thick tonight. And as Proverbs are given, Solomon, a brilliant man, he chooses to do just that, use a huge vocabulary, and explain things in such a way that causes people like me, who are illiterate, and uh, failed their English class to not be able to read and understand completely. And so um, I just I want to look at this in the ESV uh, translation, and then I will actually end up moving to the NLT if needed, okay, as we read through. You'll see. Let's read together. Let's ask God to bless our time first. Can, can we do that? And then we'll read together. Father, we ask that your supernatural wisdom would fall upon us, and that... Your son's blood would cover this room, that it would cleanse this room, that it would purify this room, that it would make people holy and set apart, and it would open the eyes. It would cleanse them and help them to walk with you and be close to you. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at it, verse 1 of chapter 10, Ecclesiastes. It says, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Do you see that? What a picture. I mean, let's take a bottle of perfume. Ladies, I know what you guys are wearing these days. But uh, let's take a bottle of perfume here, okay? And what if I dropped a fly in there? And then I closed it up and said, here you go, look what I got for you. <laughs> Just like, uh, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not spraying that on me, huh? You gonna spray that on you? But it's like, but it's a seventy bottle, seventy dollar bottle of perfume I bought from Nordstrom's. You don't want it? Come on, it's a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of perfume I got from Nordstrom's. That's expensive, man. Who cares? Just a little flying out. I'm not spraying that on me. It smells so good though. Come on. <laughs> Smell that. Get that out of my nose. Get that out of my face. Interesting. Just because a small fly, a dead fly, is in the perfume, it ruins everything, doesn't it? Interesting. 
What a great picture Solomon has given to us to explain so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Listen to me. This is important. This is why we Christians and those of you who walk with God and even who don't, listen, this is wisdom for your life. If you have shown people that you have any kind of wisdom or honor, that you smell good, even a little bit, but if there is even one small dead fly that comes in the way, you can lose everything. The whole thing goes out the door, doesn't it? The integrity can be compromised by a small thing. Let's, let's think of a, a pastor over a congregation who loves his people and hey, is very dedicated to them and has grown a large church. And maybe secretary has been flirting here and there, but he's tried to keep his distance. But hey, she comes in one day and all of a sudden flirting turns into just one small kiss on the cheek. Huh. And as it happens, one of the other pastors walk in. The whole thing's done. It's over. From one small dead fly, it has ruined the whole batch. All of the perfume is gone. It's wisdom for you. Yes. Guard your heart. Guard your territory. Be very careful how you walk in life. You know, if you have a clean slate with your parents and you're doing very well, but if you compromise in some way and you lose their trust, it's difficult to gain back, isn't it? It's difficult for them to start to trust you. It's just one dead fly. It's just one small thing. You must be careful. I'm warning you. Solomon is warning you. Those of you who choose to walk in integrity and character, be very careful because even a small fly will destroy you. And those of you who even desire to walk in integrity or character, don't let any small dead flies come into your life. Start to protect yourself from those things because you can ruin yourself very quickly. Take heed lest you fall. I don't know if I shared this with you last week, but I want to share it again real quick. The place that you will fall the quickest is the place that you are the strongest in. Listen, this is important. I think I did share it with you last week. I'm going to share it again. Where did Noah fall? Noah was the only one in his nation who was not what? Getting drunk and partying and hanging out and doing all that. He was what? Remember, building an ark, holy and set apart and perfect. Where did Noah fall when he got off that ark? He was found drunk in a tent. Where did Moses fall? Moses, the meekest man to ever walk the earth. The meekest. Meek is what? Strength under control. Strength under control. It's like a wild beast tamed. It's like a Clydesdale horse tamed by the reins. Under control. Meek. He was the meekest man. Had much power but was very in control. When did he lose it? Do you remember he got angry with the people and he struck the rock as hard as he could? He was ticked. He lost control. No longer meek. That's where Moses fell. Where did Peter fall? Remember Peter? The boldest man. 
the boldest of all the disciples, the one who said, Lord, I will never deny you. Never. What had happened? He denied him three times, didn't he? The place that you think you're the strongest in, take heed lest you fall. Watch out, that fly. That may be the thing to spoil everything. Be very, very, very careful. Hey, when you're eating lunch and a fly falls in your plate, done. You're done. You don't want to eat that burger anymore, do you? Some of you guys out there, I know, you're just like, just flick it off, man. It's no big deal. (laughs) I know you. That's sick. Don't do that. You're like, yeah, God made flies and flies don't hurt. Hey, it's God made dirt and dirt don't hurt, okay? Verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines himself to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. A wise man will go to the right. He will do the right. And a foolish man will go to the left. Hey, you don't got to be a smart man to figure this out. You do good in life, you're gonna good things are going to happen. You do bad in life, you're going to get jacked up. I mean, that's simple. It's very easy. It's very easy to understand. You do good. Like if you just choose not to obey all the laws of the land, choose never to do things to hurt people, don't say bad things about people, still have a humble life, just do good, enjoy all the time, let's just let's throw God out of it and just do that. Just throw God out. Let's just talk about principle here. Just doing this. You're probably going to end up doing all right, huh? Not going to end up in jail, cheating on your husband or wife. Not going to do that. Going to probably raise a nice family. Probably going to. I mean, it's going to go okay. But what if you are stealing all the time, lying to people, doing bad, getting yourself into trouble, falling into sin over and over? What's going to happen? Your life's going to get jacked up. Hey, hey, a wise man goes to the right, and a foolish man goes to the left. It's clear. It's easy to understand. Look at the next verse. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. He says to everyone that he is a fool. Translation. Everyone knows you're a fool if you're a fool. It's not hard. He goes around telling people that he is a fool. He holds a sign saying, hey, everybody, look at me, I'm a fool. By the way that he acts. I remember I was in the car with this guy just a few weeks ago. And he had his friend with him. I didn't know this guy very well, but me and my buddy were in the car in the front seat I was driving, and, and my buddy was in the uh, the seat next to me. And then them two were in the back, and this one guy just kept talking. Talk, 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 when we talk, you know, like it's 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 just a you know it's just common courtesy. Like when we talk, like I say something and then you listen and then you say something and I listen and then you know we go back and forth and you have conversation. You know, he's like I don't interrupt people. I don't interrupt people. You know, I just kept going and, and then he would interrupt and interrupt. I said he just interrupted. Yeah, and he just yeah. Well, I'm trying to say something here. I'm trying to say he just kept going off, and then and then he became obnoxious about it because he recognized something that I'd pointed out. I started quoting proverbs to him one after another. So it's spit because we were in Proverbs just a couple weeks ago. I was spitting the Proverbs that were locked into my head, spitting Proverbs one after another, and he was getting more, you know, angry. I was just just monotone, just saying it, not really loud, or you know, getting in his face. I was just saying it. And the last thing I said to him is, "Listen, man, I got obnoxious. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a good thing. Don't do this." But I, I said, um, "You will never find a wife." 
because no girl's going to want to listen to you. <laughs> um, and then and then he quiet. He quiet real fast. I don't know if it was wisdom from God or me just being a jerk, you know. But um, he quieted himself, and then all of, his fr- of a sudden his friends started to lecture him. His friend who is this kind of guy, okay, this guy is the really loud guy who, um, he's not very sharp, you know, he's just, he just kind of says anything that comes to his head, just anything, he just says it really fast. And this guy over here is, is a brilliant man, he goes to UCLA, uh, intellectual, and, um, and he's, he's very quiet, and his friend always overpowers him. And so all of a sudden his friend, this brilliant guy, he starts speaking up. He's like, you know, let's just call this guy Aaron. He's like, you know, Aaron, you probably shouldn't talk so much. You should probably listen, you know, to, to Josh and Fred. They, and what they're kind of just saying, because it kind of makes sense, you know, and, and it really, and he starts rebuking his friend trying to, and then he starts interrupting him, starts interrupting him, starts interrupting him, and then his friend starts, you know, he's just like, come on, you know, like, don't do this, like, look, look, I'm, listen, you need to listen, you know, he starts getting louder, trying to help his friend. This is what the scripture is speaking about clearly. A man who is a fool holds up a sign yelling to everyone, I am a fool, I am a fool, I am a fool, because he acts like a fool. And as much as everyone at Joe Part at the party loves Joe Party, who is a fool, they will never take advice or counsel from him. I mean, he's just good for a drink and a laugh. He's not good for like, hey, uh, I'm having problems in my marriage, what should I do? Have another. You know? Everyone can see who's a fool, and many people can see. It's amazing even the world they can tell. When I was playing football there in high school, in the locker room, they would clown because I would try to stand for Christ. And I would get mocked, but then they would come to me in private and ask for advice and ask for prayer and ask for all kinds of things. Even the world knows... You can look into a man's eyes and see if he's a fool or not. See if he's wise. And see if his life is good. It's not hard to find. Solomon is telling you, don't be a fool. He lacks sense. And he tells everyone that he is a fool. His own mouth deceives him. Look at verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Mmm, this is really good wisdom. This is really, really good stuff. Let me read the NLT. It's, it's sweet. It says, If your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome great mistakes. Did you hear that? If you do something wrong and you try to defend yourself, you're in trouble already. Big mistake. You did wrong. What you do is always repent first, always, and then stay quiet. That's wisdom. It is good for a relationship as well. If you're in a relationship with someone and they do wrong to you, or you do wrong to them, let me say, let's just say if you do wrong to them, you don't try to justify your actions. The first thing you say is, I am sorry, I am wrong, I did wrong. And be quiet. Let them lecture you. You did wrong. Receive it. Well, they're lecturing me and they're being angry about it. Okay. God will deal with them. You be quiet and you receive. The biggest mistake you could ever do with your boss. What if you didn't do it? What if you didn't do anything wrong and you're getting accused for it? Quiet. 
If you don't say anything, when your boss finds out that you didn't do anything wrong and he sees the way that you received what he did to you, he will come and now what? Exalt you in his eyes. It's wisdom. It's brilliant. You can't get this kind of advice anywhere else. And so, if you're ever getting rebuked or if something stirs up, the best thing you can do is be quiet. Be quiet. Let things settle. John Corson always told me, he said, Josh, when a fire breaks out, let it go out. Don't do anything until it goes out. Let it burn and let it go out. And then speak. It's wisdom. If a fire breaks out in your house, not literally, if a fire breaks out in your home, a fight. There's a fight. Shut that mouth. Quiet down and you will win every time. Even if you're wrong, you will win. Because you're doing the right thing. That's the best way to earn favor in your workplace. I'm telling you right now. Shut the mouth and work hard. That's it. Your boss will be blessed. It says, verse 5, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places. The rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses. Princes walking on the ground like slaves. He's saying this. He's just making a statement. He's saying, man, it's sad. This world that we live in is sad. Because I've seen people who should be exalted above all the people just laying in the dirt, laying in the mud. And me too. Some of the people that I think should be exalted above all are not. They're just humble people, man. They just walk with God. They just do what they're supposed to. And it's like, man, Father, make that guy president, you know? Man, Father, make that guy the boss or the CEO. Father, put, I mean, make that person rich. I was reading a commentary and it was interesting the way that it was put. It was like, this is a perfect statement to go along along the lines of what's happening. How come there are so many poor people, so many good people who are extremely poor and have messed up lives, and then people who hit a little white ball this big make millions of dollars? Or how come you find that janitor who works harder than anyone you know and only makes minimum wage, but just because somebody can hit a ball or throw a pass, they make millions How come the law enforcement who protect us, how come the firefighter who takes care of our houses and and keeps our society intact and comes to save the day when hard times go down and put their lives on the line every single week, how come they only get paid like 50 grand a year and movie stars who stand on a film get paid millions? It's ridiculous. That's the world we live in. But we have one hope. There is a God who sees all. Who sees every single detail and work. Every single thing happening on the earth. And when we stand before Him one day, we will all be held held accountable for our works. There is a rich man who kills his people, but gets to live a wealthy and a good life. He will stand before God. And he will be dealt with. 
There's a janitor who works hard and serves God all of his life and never becomes a rich man. Just a simple man who struggles all of his life. He will be exalted in the kingdom of God one day. He will be greater than all of them because he has been faithful with the small things. I'm so happy there's a God and I'm so happy that no one can get away with anything. Not even me. Solomon sees this and he's blown away by it. Look at verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. You hear that? If you dig a pit, why are you digging a pit in the first place? Are you digging it for someone else? If you're digging a pit for someone else, be careful, you will fall in it. Like, well, I'm going to get this person. Careful. Careful. I had a buddy who's in a gang and uh, up in Woodcrest, where's where I live, right? You know, 15, 20 minutes up here. And this guy, man, he just... He really is. I think he's got a good heart. He just does stupid stuff all the time. He did this. Um, somebody had said something about someone else and was talking about you know somebody and putting down some of the girls, said something to somebody. So he said, none of the guys in the crew would go and take care of business. So he's like, all right, fine, I'll go do it. So he digs a pit. Not literally. But he plans this thing out. He's going to go take these guys out. He finds out where they're at. He walks up with a knife. He has a mask on. It's up there in Woodcrest, up there in one of the... Uh, it's over there in the parking lot where the uh, movie theater was. He rolls up on this guy. He sees him in the parking lot, runs up on two of these kids. He hits these guys so fast and slices them so bad um, that they, the kids thought that it was like three guys that came up on him, but it was just my, my one friend here. Walks up and puts both these kids in the hospital, and one kid, I think, he dies... He almost dies. He's like in inches of his life. I can't remember what happened. My buddy comes back and he come, he's so scared that he comes and he runs to my friend's house and he's there. I'm there. And he's shaken up and there's, you can hear the helicopters and he's, uh, he's just so scared. He's like, man, I did something really bad. He dug a hole for someone and he fell in his own pit because this is what happens. The kids that he hit were the wrong kids. And he messed these guys up and he went to jail for a long time. He's probably still there. If you dig a pit for someone, you will fall in it. That's the extreme. But you must be very careful. Be careful. What are you thinking? You know, and and you want to slap somebody in the face like that. Like, dude, are you serious? What are you thinking? He missed the wrong guy. He thought he had justice done taken care of. It's sad that someone even think it crazy enough to go and dig a pit that big for someone. But he did and he messed it up really bad. If you try to break through a wall, that snake will bite you. Solomon is saying clearly to us once again, beware. Don't do it. Even the small things that you think, you're going to get someone, you're going to tell on someone, you're going to do something to bring someone down, you're in danger. You're going to lose. Happens all the time. When people come to me and tell me something that someone has done, the first thing they're going to get asked is, why are you telling me this? Did you go and approach them? Did you go and pray for them? Did you go and talk to them about it by yourself? And if they did not do that, then they are in fault now, and they're in trouble. 
and I am going to put the blood upon their head because now they are talking about something to someone else and talking bad about someone to someone else. And that is gossip. It's not allowed. Mm-mm. Be careful. From the smallest thing to the biggest thing, beware. Those of you who walk with God and who listen to His voice, you don't have to worry about that. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who slips logs is endangered by them. Let me read the uh, NLT on this. It says, When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. Such are the risks of life. When you try... These are actually two completely different... It's a classic illustration of when the NLT translates something and the ASV translates something, and they're two completely different meanings. I was hoping for something else. But um, with the quarry stones, someone being hurt by them, this is actually something that they would use to map out an area and taking property. And he's saying that if you take too much property, you can be hurt by it. Splitting logs, you can be endangered by it. Working too much, workaholic, trying to take too much land. Get away from that. Don't allow your material things to overtake you. Don't allow your work and your properties and your money and all this to overtake you. It's sad. It's not going to bring you happiness. Look, it's good. It's okay to build a business. It's okay to make money. That's okay, okay because you need it. And it's okay to have nice stuff, yeah. But don't let it overtake you. You're in trouble. The stones will fall upon you and crush you. These walls will break you down. This wood that you thought was so sweet will burn you. That money will hurt you. It will hurt your family. Look at the next one. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. With an axe... With an axe. I don't know if any of you ever swung an axe in here, but I remember uh, my grandma, she taught us how to use an axe. My grandma taught us to do all the farm work. She did. And we had a couple axes always in our backyard, and they were always sitting, guess where? In a bucket of water. Mm-hmm. And those of you who know about using an axe and chopping wood, you would know keeping it in the water is a good thing. Number one, it expands the wood that is holding the head of the axe on. If you have a wood handle, the wood is expanded so that when you swing that thing, it doesn't come flying off. But if you leave it in the sun all day, it will what? Shrivel up, and it will fall off very easily. So you keep it in the water. And number two, sharpening. Keeping that thing sharp. It's like if you've sharpened it, you want to keep it dipped in the water. You want to keep it away from something, any kind of dust, any kind of dirt, anything it falling and hitting anything so that it's not going to become dull sitting in the weather weather if you just took a uh, an axe and just left it out in the sun and left it out through the winter it's going to become dull without even trying just because it's left out leave it in the water stay sharp he says this like leaving an axe in the water or like sharpening it is like using wisdom to succeed If you take it out and you swing that thing and try to cut wood, it's going to take you a long time. But if you use wisdom, it will work very, very quickly for you. 
and it's the truth with anybody who's done something, anything. Um, let's talk about putting granite countertops down or baking something or I don't know, anything that you would possibly do. And you know how to do it. All of you know how to do something in here, I hope. Um, let's say tying your shoe. That's simple, huh? Someone has wisdom to tie the shoe. Um, and let's look at a child who doesn't know to tie a shoe nor never tied one. But they just see that everyone has their shoes tied. If they used wisdom and walked over and asked someone how to tie it, they would move much faster, wouldn't they? Yeah, of course. But if they choose to try to figure it out themselves, it will take them maybe a year. Who knows how long? A child to learn to tie a shoe without anyone showing him? It's the same with life. If you think that you're going to leave your axe out and chop wood really fast, it ain't going to happen. But if you're sharpening that thing, if you're leaving it in the water, when you move in life, with every swing you will cut very deep and it will be very precise and perfect. Finances. I wish somebody taught me when I was young about finances. And credit. When it's good to buy a house. And how to budget money. A person who knows how to do that will be successful and will have money in the bank. A person who doesn't will have an empty bank account and lots of debt. The only way you can learn is by asking. How are you going to figure it out? I'm going to go to Wikipedia and search it. Ask someone. You need wisdom. The first key to having wisdom, you want you want to just the first drop of wisdom in your life, recognize you don't have wisdom. It's the first one. Recognize you don't have wisdom and you have wisdom all of a sudden. That's it. You want to cut through this life easy? Sharpen that knife. Sharpen that axe. Wisdom. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Or, the King James translation is completely different. I read it earlier in, in the NLT. It does no good to charm a snake after it has bitten you. Hmm. And I'd like to read the King James because I like it better. We're in what, verse 10? No, 11. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. <laughs> it says if you don't entertain the babbler, it can't bite you. That's it. If you, don't enter if you entertain a snake um, and you stop entertaining it, it's going to what? It's going to bite you. You have to keep entertaining it to stop it from biting you. So is true with a person who is a babbler or a fool. Um, if you don't entertain them, you never have to stop entertaining them because you never entertained them in the first place. And so the wisdom is simple for your life. Don't hang around people who are babblers or who are foolish. Because if you start hanging out with them, how will you break off the relationship when it's time? It's hard. Let's be honest, it is. It's hard to let go of friends who you've gone through lots of cool stuff with and hard times. And, and then you all of a sudden your eyes open up and you recognize they're not the best thing for you and they're kind of hurting your life. And you want to break away, but you can't because you've been, hey... You've been playing that thing for them all the time. And they've been sitting there like a serpent, man, just enjoying it. And all of a sudden, as soon as you stop playing their tune, they get ticked and they will strike you. And so it's a warning to us to be very careful who we hang out with. You become the people you hang around with. 
the people you hang around with are your role models and that's who you want to be like one day, then keep hanging out with them. But if that's not who you want to be like, then start hanging out who you want to be like. I say it all the time, you know. You ready? Want to be a loser? Hang out with losers. Want to be a millionaire? Hang out with millionaires. You want to be wise? You hang out with the wise. You want to be blessed? Hang out with those who are blessed. You want to love God? You know the answer. Hang out with those who love God. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Self-explanatory, huh? The words of a wise man win him favor, but a foolish man, if you have no wisdom, your mouth deceives you. I think one of the first ways we can uh, show ourselves to be a fool is to use profanity. Um, I feel like to, I used to have a mouth on me. You never believe it, but... Um, yeah, and I haven't cussed. I mean, I can't even remember the last time, but... I actually remember I cussed in a dream one time. <laughs> I woke up so convicted. It was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious, really it was. Because I, it was this this girl that I was in class with, and uh, I was it was it was an insult at her, and it was bam, you know I couldn't believe my ears uh, of what had come out, but I was ashamed even in my own dream. But um, but it doesn't matter how uh, how sharp a businessman is, how much money he makes, how cool someone is. As soon as I hear profanity come out, it's just like. Hmm. You're not intelligent enough to think of a, another word, so use that word. Um, that's exactly what cussing is, is a fill word. And if you think about it, if you break it down grammatically, it's what? You're, just, you're using words to fill um, other words that you could use, but you can't think of anything else to say, so you just... Uh, I was just talking with a guy not too long ago out here, and it's just like, the F word was the ev- every other word. You know, he's just like, it, it's like, um, or it's like, like. It's, uh, it's hilarious. But um, it's sad at the same time because it labels him as a fool very quickly. A wise man's mouth very quickly exalts him and gives him favor. A fool, you look at him and you pity him. You feel bad. It is really sad. Let me get my papers once again. We've got the next verse here. We're almost done. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. It's true. You follow a foolish man, and you keep asking yourself, why is he or her doing that? Why? What are you doing? Stop that. Isn't it interesting that you can always look into other people's lives and see the wickedness very clearly, but your own life? Difficult to see, huh? People around you can look into your life and see exactly where you're falling and where you're messing up, but you yourself cannot see because you think you're really good, don't you? Just like me. I think I got it together sometimes. think everything's cool and everything's right. But the reality is we're all fools to a certain extent because we don't have wisdom in certain areas. The best way to stay away from this, from walking in this evil madness, is to stay humble and to accept advice from others all the time. All the time. Don't think you know. If you think you know, you're in big trouble. All the time. It's okay to have confidence in things that you do know. But do you understand what I'm saying? When you come off never willing to receive any kind of advice or wisdom or instruction, you're in trouble. 
because you really think you know. Even if I think I know something, I'm going to still ask for advice because, hey, what if I get something I don't know? Which is a very good possibility because I don't know much. <sighs> I mean, I can't even hold my own papers up. I mean, what are you guys doing here listening to me? Thanks for the number three time. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let me just hold these papers here as we move on. Ah, yes. We are in this translation, yep. Verse 14. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? Read the New Living here. Foolish people claim to know all about the future and tell everyone the details, but who can really know what is going to happen? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, and it's true that people find themselves talking about things that they don't know what they're talking about. That's another danger for your life. If you start talking about things that you're not educated in, or try to act like you know what you're talking about, you're really digging a hole for yourself. Because people are going to recognize really quickly, like what? Listen, guy, you don't know the future. Okay? Um, no one does. And it almost is like that sometimes. And you can tell really quickly when someone is just spitting words into the wind. Um, but you can also tell, or sometimes you can't tell, when someone used great rhetoric to, uh, how do I say it? They use their words in such a way to manipulate a person to really think that what they're saying is right, but in reality it's not. They're just making it up as they go. And the sad thing is, is when someone discovers that, you lose all trust, you become a fool instantly, you lose all respect. And so, just say things that are true and are right and are pure. Things that aren't, stay far away from it. I love my buddy Christian, man. I just love him. In Canada, I talk about him a lot. It just really blesses me. The things that he talks about when he doesn't know about a topic, he just says, I don't know. Genius, huh? When I ask him about things, I'll be like, Christian, you know, like, what do you think about this? And I'll be expecting, like, this genius, like, exciting answer and all this. I'm like, man, finally I get to ask him this. He looks at me and he says, you know what? I just don't have authority to speak on that issue. And I'm like, man. Or even he'll start to, he'll be like, I'll be like, Christian, like, what do you, what do you think about this situation? He'll be like, well, you know, um, you know, I think, you know, I don't have authority to speak on this issue. He just stops right there. He just cuts it off, and it's game over. It's wise. It's wisdom, you know. And the same thing should happen with you. Don't try to act like you know. You actually gain more respect from a person when you say, "I don't know," or "I'm not sure about that," or "I can't speak on that issue," because then they know when you do speak that you're only going to speak on things that you're educated, that you know about, that are truthful. I love wisdom. Look at verse 15. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way of the city. Or, as I was looking at commentators, the literal translation is something along the lines of, the toil of a fool actually wearies him because he doesn't even know when it's raining on him. He doesn't even know when the rain is coming down, like someone stands outside. Because life is so trash and so such a disaster, I don't know if the picture is something along the lines of his mind is gone, or the feeling in his skin is gone where he would stand out there and it would start to rain and he doesn't even know it's raining. Just gone. Now that's an extreme picture. 
But it's 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 a good way to show in life that a fool has no way to tell where he's going or what is happening. He doesn't know. It's like rain coming down on him and he's just completely doesn't even know rain is coming down on him. Some people are oblivious. And again, what is the greatest way that we can learn wisdom? I would encourage you to sit down with people older than you and just receive from them. I'll never stop telling you this because this is gene. This is what I do. I am all the time. Anyone who is older than me, they have wisdom. I'm stealing from them all the time, snatching everything they got. I'm like, dude, he's got some gold. I'm going to take every single drop because I'm not going to act like I know what I'm doing. I don't. And I think learning that at a young age it has really helped to develop different tacks and different ways of doing things and helped to develop success along the way. A fool will act like he knows all. Act like he knows when it's raining and when it's not, even when he doesn't. But if you want to have understanding here in this time, sit down with people. Go and listen to your grandparents. There is diamonds in their mouths. I'm telling you. Not my grandma. She's crazy. I'm telling you. She knows things that you can't even begin to start to think or understand in your own mind because you can't ever get there. Not until you're a grandma or a grandpa. You can't. And if you choose to take, you will be a rich woman, a rich man at a young age. You will. And so I do all the time. I go out to eat. I just sit down. I just listen. I just listen closely. Someone says something, I'm always, I have my journal with me all the time. And if they say something, I will will write it down instantly. People don't know it all the time, but I am writing down wisdom in this journal. You want to hear the latest? Get ready. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone quoted A.W. Tozer. blew my mind. Before God can use a person greatly, he must break a person deeply. And how does that apply to my life there in that way? Josh, if you want to be used by God greatly, He is going to break you deeply. Prepare yourself for the hardest times of your life for the rest of your life. Listen to this. A friend just said this not too long ago. Bless my heart. Just last night. The crumbs that fall from heaven taste so good and the feasts in heaven you can't even imagine. The crumbs that fall from heaven taste that good right now. Just wait till we get to heaven and have the feast. Little words, little words that encourage me, that blow me away, that help me right now in this moment. I remember I was walking in, uh, my old boss, he had something, he's a Christian, he had something on his, uh, uh, yeah, on his desk, a little, like, there's like ten things to do for your wife. And I was reading it, I'm like, snap, that's stinking genius, man. I took it and made a copy of it right there and I taped it into my journal. Like, man, I need that wisdom. I'm taking it with me. Gold. I've got millions of dollars in there. Millions in that journal right there. Really? Don't even try to steal it. Don't you dare. I'm packed, okay? I'm loaded, man. Don't mess with me. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. 
and your prince's feast in the morning. It says, hey, listen up, nation. When your land is led by, guess what? A child or someone who acts like a child? Or a prince who feasts in the morning or gets drunk in the morning? You're in big trouble. Big trouble. Look, someone who never grows up is in big trouble. Okay? Our society breeds laziness and children for the rest of our lives. It's sad. You know, back in the day, it seemed like when you're 14, 16, you start working. Everyone. My grandma, she was like, when I was 13 years old, 12 years old, I was working in the field making money for my parents. She could, I mean, run the whole house already at like 12 years old. Just taking care of everything. But this day and age, it's like 18 years old and the kid doesn't even know how to make Cheerios for himself. That's sad. It's ridiculous what our society is breeding. I mean, you look at the simple disciplines of our own lives. Um, Really simple things that everyone should know and we don't. It is sad. I mean, I love seeing those old films when you see like the 16-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy, like running the tractor for his dad, you know, just like, I mean, take plowing the field, going for it. It's like, geez, whatever happened to that? Like 16-year-old, he can't wait to get his car, but there's no way he's going to get a job or pull weeds in the backyard or do chores at the house. Absolutely not. Wash dishes? Get out of here. You better make sure I got my Xbox 360. You better make sure I got, you know... Nice clothes and a nice car. But you want me to wash the dishes? <laughs> yeah, right. You want me to take out the trash? You mean, wait, you, you have ten chores for me to do on Saturday morning? All right, I go to school. Get out of here. It's ridiculous. But this is what our society is breeding. It's saying, watch out, nation, when your kings act like children. And watch out, O oh, nation, when your princes party in the morning. And that's exactly what is happening to the families in this day and age. Fathers don't know how to be fathers. Mothers don't know how to be mothers. We raise families that don't know how to do anything. And it is sad. If you want that wisdom, listen to Solomon. Start reading the Word. Listen to your pastor. Listen to your parents. Take from people who have done great in life. Steal from them. Let's close this down here, huh? Verse 17. Oh, we have 20 verses. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility. That's true. And your prince's feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. It says, happy are you, O land, when this happens. It's the complete opposite of what I just said. You will be happy when you do those things. Through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indulgence, indolence, I'm sorry, the house leaks. Laziness, apathy, it's clear. You do that, your roof's going to sink in and the house going to leak. I love the picture. Look at verse 19. Bread is made for laughter, wine gladdens life, and money answers every t- everything. This is a quote, and he is basically mocking and making a sarcastic statement. Think about it. Bread is made for laughter. Wine for gladness of life and money answers everything. Yeah, that's true. Let's go ask Mr. Rockefeller that. 
Let's go ask Hugh Hefner that. Let's go ask Bill Gates that. Let's go ask any, let's go ask Britney Spears that. Money is the answer for everything, huh? Even she would laugh at you in the face. 20. Even in your thought, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, and some winged creature tell the matter. The last word of wisdom for the night. Are you ready? Be careful what you say about anyone at any time. Because there's something called a little birdie. A little birdie. little birdie told me. Ever heard that? Something called a little birdie that will fly around and tell someone. Be careful what you say to people. As much as you think you can trust people, I'm telling you, be careful what you say. Me being in ministry, I've learned very quickly what to say and what not to say, things to keep to myself and things never to say. People you can trust and people you can't. If you think you're going to say something bad about somebody and think they're not going to hear about it, you're in trouble. <laughs> A little birdie's going to fly around. Isn't that funny how Solomon said that? little birdie's going to fly around. He says, don't say anything bad about the king because the little birdie will fly around and somehow the king will find out. Off with your head. Be careful. Family, we get to indulge in all this wisdom tonight. A little lengthy tonight, I know. But I hope that you're full. I hope that you're full to the brim, that you have plenty to chew on and to take in and to think about. God writes this book and allows this book to be written so that we can feast on it and take away from it right now in our lives, okay? And so you know what? If you don't take this and apply it to your life, you've just wasted... Gosh, if we started... You've just wasted two hours and ten minutes of your time. Wasted? What are you doing here? Or, you can take this wisdom and apply it to your life now and start acting on it and you will be rich. You'll be rich spiritually. You will have a happy soul. You truly will. Don't let it be in vain, please. Take this, apply it to your heart. Let me pray it in over us, okay? Because I really want you to have it. I want Father to really sink it into you. Please, God. Please, Father. Thank you for giving us wisdom. Lord, you say it in James. If anyone lacks it or doesn't have it or is failing in wisdom, he can ask and it will be given to him from heaven. And Lord, we confess that we lack and tonight you have given us another dose of riches. Lord, what psychologist can sit down and tell us all these things? Who's going to sit down in life and go one after another and start telling us how to live practical life? Who? is going to mentor us in this day and teach us all the little things that we need to know about life. How much money does it cost, Lord, to find all these great principles? You give it for free. And Father, we take it willingly. We take it with all that is within us here in this moment. We choose to apply it to our lives right now and say, thank you, Father. Can you say thank you if it blessed you? Just say thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for giving us wisdom. And help us to live it out, Lord, now as we leave and not be fools for the rest of our lives. But to walk in freedom. To walk in good lives. Thank you. We love you, King. We commit, I commit all these people into your hands. Their situation, their lives, the hard times. And ask that you would bless them and take care of them. In Jesus' name. Amen.